You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. You know, as P.I. mentioned, we'll be talking about, we'll be visiting the churches, the seven churches that John um, wrote letters to by the inspiration of Jesus, or I mean, Jesus wrote letters to the seven churches and gave that vision to John. And um, if you recall last week, uh, P.I. talked about the letter to the Ephesus church, and um, he talked about how they forgot their first love, and then he talked about how... Jesus starts every letter by saying, I know your works, I know your deeds, right? Um, and so tonight, I'd like us to just read from, um, you know, Revelations chapter 2, and um, we'll start from verse 8, and, um, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, so right, this thing says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are synagogue of Satan. Do not hear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation. Ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Amen. Amen. Um, so just a quick overview. The writer of the book of Revelations is John, the disciple of Jesus. We see that in Revelations 1, 4. And um, scholars would say that this book was written... Um, after death, in the 60s, after death. And um, um, John writes these letters in a location called Patmos, you know, in exile, in an island called Patmos. Um, if we go, you know, backwards a little bit, we, we realize that Paul, the apostle, sets up churches um, in this region of Asia Minor. Um, he sets up churches and he begins to appoint you know, bishops and overseers, you know, to, you know, um, oversee these churches, you know, essentially. And um, why, you may ask, you know, for continuity. And I, I also, you know, believe that he sensed that after his death, there was going to be opposition and there will be contention, which eventually turned out to be true. Right? Amen. This is the part where you say, mm, yeah, deep. Please, there are mics. It's deliberate, please. I'm just saying. <sighs> okay. Okay, so but because he realizes that they, they were already facing some of this opposition, you know, and he knew that the moment he dies or something happens, they would get to experience all of this, some of this tension um, much more. And then you, you see um, these things start to happen. You know, the church at Ephesus, like Pierre talked about last week, you know, they strayed away from their first love. You know, um, the church in Laodicea, um, the church in Thyatira, and so on and so forth. So God appears to John, um, and he gives him instructions to write to these seven churches, yeah? And um, so it covers a spectrum of certain things, certain issues, addressing different issues for different churches. And, um, you know, scholars believe 
um, you know, um, okay, yeah, so the visions begin during his time of worship on a Sunday. You know, the Bible records that he gets this vision while worshiping on the Lord's Day. Um, so see that worship and spending time with God is essential. Um, and he begins to hear a voice behind with instructions to write down all that he sees. And he essentially begins to write the letters to the seven churches. Um, I believe the end goal of these letters, you know, is to prepare, you know, um, the churches. Um, having knowledge of what was to come made them aware and made them ready. Um, here in the notes here, um, I don't want to say in my notes, that's what P.I. says, so I'll just say here in this note. Um, it says that uh, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So essentially, Jesus writes these letters to them to prepare them, giving them the insights to what's to come, preparing their mind and then, you know, um, making them aware of what they were going to experience. Um, so um, tonight, I have the awesome privilege alongside Demilade um, to share and just talk about the church in Smyrna. Deep. Come on, guys. You see? Yeah, 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 yeah. Very deep. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I asked the band to come early today for my sake. Okay, so um, Smyrna is such an interesting city. Um, Smyrna is lo located in Asia Minor, and um, it's known for its ports, right? And you, as you can imagine, the port here in Lagos, I think that's why a lot of people you have, you know, everybody from all over coming here because of partly because of the port, the Lagos port, seaport. You know, so there was a lot of trade going on. There was a lot of people with different values, people with different ideologies and, um, you know, doctrines coming in. And also it was an excellent arbor on the agency. Uh, so as you can imagine, the church at that time struggled because there was a lot of contention. You know, you had um, opposition from left, right, and center. Um, you had, they, they faced a lot of hostility as well, right? Um, so on, in one hand, you had the Jewish population, you know, that were strongly opposed to Christianity. And on the other hand, you had the non-Jewish population that was super loyal to um, Rome and its emperor. You know, um, people with different ideologies. I think when I, while I was discussing with Demiladi, I got to realize that there was a lot of um, Scientology, I think, at that time. And so you had people who were intellectually sound and who you can imagine that if I come up to somebody who is like a professor and has all these degrees and I say, oh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, they'll start, where's the empirical um, formula and where, you know, give me... The facts and figures. So they were faced with a lot of opposition. Um, so isn't that kind of what we face today? Come on. It has to be loud. I know that it's very deep, but make it obvious. Please cut this part out. Uh, but it, it is true. You know, we face a lot of... People want, people want to be politically correct. People want to fit in. Um, the moment you are at work and then you mention Jesus and someone, you know, attacks you, you just keep silent. I'm, you know, I try not to generalize, but I've experienced that a couple of times. And, you know, we face all of this opposition, social media, you know, um, culture. You know, that's why consciously with your 
words and all of that stuff. So we, we face a lot of this opposition. And a lot of times, I remember when P.I. started the series about church history, um, he, he mentioned something very striking. Um, when we know our roots, I think it gives us a better understanding that we were not the first to experience it. So we are not having a panic attack and saying, oh, God, you know, God is up in heaven and saying, ah, I didn't know that this will happen. I didn't know that there will be corruption and then there will be persecution and tribulation. Oh, what happened? Angel Gabriel, please, can you sort this out? God knew, and that's why he addressed these issues beforehand. Amen? Amen. God bless you. You will grow in wisdom. Amen. Yeah. Um, so um, they, they faced all of that, and, 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 and it was a tough one. So Revelation 2, it says, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write this thing, said the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. You know, I believe that every scripture has meaning. Whatever is contained in scripture is for a reason. You know, rejoice in the Lord Again, I say rejoice. The reason for that is emphasis. There's a reason for it. So here when Jesus addresses this church by saying, um, this thing said the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Jesus is showing a pattern, right? So the way he introduces himself is an indication of the kind of work that they've been doing. So the Smyrna church was known for giving their all to God, you know, and because of, just like I mentioned earlier, the, the kind of environment that the church was set up in, it meant that they faced opposition. So you can imagine that they were not allowed to go to certain shops. They were not allowed to buy things in certain places. They were not allowed to gather in certain places. They were not allowed to um, mingle with certain people. In some cases, they were, is it ostracized? So, yeah, okay, that's a deep word. Come on, yes. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, I'll stop now. Um, so um, they, they faced a lot, and Jesus knew this. And so he, he, he addressed it by um, the introduction in his letters. You know, um, here in this note, it says, um, when a father introduces himself to his child, it's based on what the child has been doing. Um, for example, Raymond, I suspect, has been very troublesome. Thank God for Jesus in his life. Raymond is in the band, and so I know firsthand what he does. And I assume that his dad would walk up to him and say, you this bad child, before he begins to tell him other stuff. So he introduces the issue first with what he has been doing. And then for Abby, who is a very good child, honest, you know, sincere, my father will come to me, oh, my pride, my joy. Yeah, I see you going places. Traveling the world. So, yeah. Um, Raymond will still lead worship on Sunday. Yes. So, um, you can see the way he introduces in his letters to this church. He understood that they were going through tribulation. They were going through trials. And he needed to address those issues and say, look, see, I am the resurrection and life. I am the, the, uh, in, in me, there is death and then life. Right, So um, the church in Smyrna was addressed this way because they needed to grasp the importance of tribulation, which they were already facing or they were going to face, for the cause of Christ. 
Um, like I said earlier, they, 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 they stood for what was right. And because of their location, they were persecuted. They faced a lot of this stuff. Um, so, um, they needed, he needed to address this and how death in Christ is not a bad thing because it leads to resurrection and eternal life that cannot be removed forever. Amen. The truth can also be found in John 3.16, which is a very famous scripture, you know, and it talks about a promise of eternal life for all. Can we all read it, if you don't mind? Um, we all know it, but I just need us to read it. Some people don't know it. Um, so I'll just read it from here. For God so loved the world that he gave. Um, okay. And whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, and he talks about ever. Pastor Busola is here. Please. Uh, and now my heart begins to pound again. I touch. So now you have to like scream more. So she will think that I've been doing well for a while. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can't even remember. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. So the, God was preparing them for something, and he's preparing us too for something, especially in this age of technology, this age of information, this age of different things happening in our world. Um, there's a need to have that consciousness in our mind that we would face tribulation. It might not be the same persecution like they faced in Smyrna. It might be something else. It might be the person stalking you on Instagram and commenting on your page and constantly sharing stuff. Um, or that person in your office that's constantly just attacking you because of what you stand for and believe. Um, so God is preparing us also for all these things that are to come. And so in the midst of all this tribulation and trial, we are fixing our eyes on what's eternal, right? Amen. So in Mark 4, 17, it says, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. You know, so affliction and persecution would arise because you stand for what is true. You stand for Jesus. You stand for what is right. So all of these things are bound to come with it. Amen. 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 So for a minute, can you just think about one thing you had to endure for the gospel's sake? One thing. You know, we, we're doing N17 now, so I suspect some people have experiences of how maybe someone abused you when you were about to talk to them about Jesus. Um, it's a lot more extreme in some other areas where you get killed and um, you get beaten and oh I, I know PI mentioned how Paul will be beaten and then he'll stand up again and then you know it's not gotten there yet but you know um, so let's talk about that for a second we really don't like to talk about it and I carefully enough not to generalize we don't talk about suffering and tribulation but it comes you know I like this famous preacher I love so much Robert Ferguson talks about the call to discipleship the call to the Christian work requires three things. And first is bowing down. Bowing down referring to submission. So first off, when you, you chose this, 
you gave your life to Christ. So giving your life to Christ means that you count the cost, right? Here's the cost. It requires submission. It requires you bowing down and submitting all of you to Jesus and saying, where you lead me, I'll go. Secondly, it talked about the fact that it requires giving of yourself. So it means that with this Christian work, just like the church in Smyrna, we would need to give of ourselves. You know, they, 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 they weren't bothered about the fact that, you know, in, in that scripture, it talks about the fact that you are rich, right? Um, let me just look for it. Um, verse 9, right? Okay, so um, let's quickly go there. Can someone read it quickly? Yeah. Yeah. So in the midst, how do you merge suffering and poverty and rich, being rich? It's because there's a difference, right? The way God values things is so different from the way we value things or the way we see things, right? So how many of us want to be rich towards God? I do, you know, but he's not talking about earthly riches. I know there's a scripture that talks about seeking first the kingdom of God and every other thing will be added unto you. So whoever is rich towards God will become a massive target for the enemy. Being rich towards God is basically talking about the fact that your work with God is fruitful. Yeah, that's what it means. It's not that you know, God is giving you those contracts all the time. It's that your relationship with him is growing and, you know, you are, you're getting to know him more and more and more and more and more. And most times we forget this aspect. We think about, oh, Lord, when I pay my tithe, I will get, you know, you rebook the divorce for my sake. But it's essentially not really about that. All of that will come, but it's basically talking about your, your riches in this sense is your relationship with God growing Obviously, they had um, an understanding of what it meant to be rich towards God. So they, you know, they, they left everything this world had to offer and fixed their eyes on Jesus. Amen. You know, I like one other thing that this same Robert Ferguson talked about. He talked about when your faith is um, well-centered, it shapes your will towards God. Right? So when your faith is deeply rooted, most like times forget it, where... God instructs um, Abraham to rise up, to, to sacrifice his son Isaac. You know, the scripture, I can't remember where exactly. It talks about the fact that Abraham rose up early. Do you know what it means to rise up early, to do something that you really don't want to do? It takes faith. And I know scripture says that is a man of faith, right? Amen. Does that make sense? Okay. So, God bless you. Yeah, so... Um, so we have to be prepared. We will face opposition in, in this life. Just like the, that church, you know, our city, Lagos, is such an, you know, interesting city. We have everybody from everywhere located, you know, coming in and out. There's innovation. There's um, um, growth. There's all of that stuff. So you would face it in your workplace. You face it, you know, at home, your tenant. When you sing worship music, it begins to call you and say you are disturbing or when you pray in the spirit and all of that. Um, how many of us have ever been in a board meeting and we felt like praying in the Holy Ghost? Uh, yeah. Did you actually pray in the Holy Ghost? Loud. 
Yeah, so that's, that's, that's what I mean. Um, so I'll just fast forward. Um, I'm almost getting stuck, so... Um, we are really going to face all of these things. We are really going to face all of these trials. Um, one thing to note as I wrap up and then hand over to Dimlade is to have our hearts prepared for these things to come, you know, and to fix our eyes on the things that are really not um, important. I mean, to fix our eyes on the things that are eternal. The Bible talks about the things, you know, the things that are seen are temporal and the things that are not seen are eternal. So fixing your eyes, obviously there was an understanding that they were living beyond this life and it was easier for them to stay through. It was easier for them to continue. It was easier for them to stand. And God is saying through these letters that you would face tribulation, you will face trials, you will face opposition. You might be required to lose your life. But God is saying, let your faith be centered in me, and then it's easier for you to shape your own will. It's easier for you to shape your own agenda. It's easier for you to shape your own goals, ambitions to my will. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, can I ask that we put our hands together and just... <laughs> Trust me, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do this. And I don't speak as one who has much experience, but um, it's, not, it's not now they say you should shout. It's later. <laughs> it's later. But um, let, me, let me just pick up from where he stopped. So the problem, with, the problem that we have, a lot of us have as Christians, is we're not fully aware of what we're in for. So they say to you, you come to church one day and you're so convicted of your sin. And then they say to you, you know, do you want to give your life to Christ? And you're like, yes. And you raise up your hand. And they say, say this prayer. And the prayer is sweet as they are saying it. Oh, God, I love you. You're my best. You're this, you're that. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're like, woo, woo. My life is changed. Hallelujah. But what they don't tell you is that with all of that, the minute you say, I'm giving my life to Christ, there is a whole horde of satanic opposition that is now gearing up. It's like, it's like you are once with us, and now you're not with us anymore. It's like, we're coming for you. And that is what you signed up for as Christians. And for those of you who haven't yet agreed to be Christians and haven't given your life to Christ, trust me, it's not all that bad. But, um, so don't be scared, because we'll ask you at the end of the service. But that's really what you signed up for. And what I want to even point out a little bit more is that, is that that opposition oftentimes will come from people on the outside. But a lot of times that opposition, like they say on Twitter, it be your own people. It's your own people who would say, ah. So all of a sudden, you're not a hard guy because you're a Christian. All of a sudden now, we can't hear what. We wake up in the morning, you're singing, Lord, I love you. Ah, are you the first? All of a sudden, you know, you're in your office, you're, you're, you've given your life to Christ, you're now living for Christ, and they're not, oh God, your own is too much. Every time we have work, we want to close by six, you say you're living by five, are you the first? Say you're going to church. And that's what happened with these guys in Smyrna. It was their own people. So imagine you're living in a community, and that community is made up largely of two groups of people. One group, they're Jews, but they don't believe in Jesus. So they believe in Judaism. And anybody who tells them that Jesus is come and Jesus came to die for us, it's like cancelled. So that's half of your people. The other half, they're 
devoted, they worship the emperor. They worship Buhari. And so you come and say, ah, there's some other king other than Buhari who just died a few years ago who we love. They're like, ah, come, what's your problem? And so that's the real problem is that when we choose to give our lives to Christ, the minute we decide that we're going to live for Christ, immediately a horde of satanic opposition comes. And this, this is, uh, let's, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. So Matthew 13, 24. And I'm going to read through it very quickly. I should wear my glasses. It says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up, so basically, when it was time for the harvest, the servant said, ah, sir, we sowed good seed and we want to come and reap our harvest. But there, there are tares among these things. And the Bible says this is not the kingdom of this world. It says the kingdom of heaven. So inside the kingdom of heaven, inside God's own kingdom, there will always be people who oppose you because you choose to do the will of God. These are God's own people. In Mark chapter 13, verse 11 to 30, it says, so when they put you under arrest and hand you over for trial, it says, don't give one thought about what you will say. So again, your own people at some point will decide, ah, your own is too much. Are you the first? And we all go to church, but your own church worshiping. As a friend of mine who was giving her good experience, she said when she goes to, when she comes home in the evening, they will say to her, ah, where are you? She said, I've been to church ah, ah, since morning. The God you are serving, are you the one that killed Jesus? The God you are serving, you can't serve him in four hours like everybody else. You need to do extended time of, ah. It be your own people, folks. It says, brother, in Mark, Mark chapter 13, verse 12, it says, brother will betray brother unto death. And your father will betray his own child. He says, children will rise up to take a stand against their parents and have them put to death. Now, that's not happening now. But if you're being honest with ourselves, I have plenty of friends who now, they and their parents are at odds because their parents believe in serving God one way and they believe in serving God another way. I'll use myself as an example so that Swalabi will tell you, his mother has been saying to him since morning, this you're here that goes in 12 different directions. When will you cut it and have your hair straight? My father tells me that I have a bed. I must be a member of the Taliban. Because I believe that my service to God, this is how I choose to influence culture. This is how I choose to serve God. And so it be your own people. When I go to church now, I have to stand somewhere in the back. Because they're not sure whether my salvation is still complete. This is the kind of persecution we're talking about. So I want, to, I want to just define persecution for you because sometimes we mix it up. We mix up persecution and suffering and affliction and tribulation. Persecution is basically it's the rejection and the physical attack that you endure because of a stance you're taking for God. So I didn't do anything. No. I just love God. And I chose that this is the way I'm going to stand with God. And because of that, people are coming for me. That's persecution. Pierre talks about the four quadrants of pain. And he says how Q1, quadrant one, is pain that you inflict on yourself. Quadrant two is pain, is pain, quadrant one is pain that happens to you because of your lack of knowledge. So for instance, you don't know that fire is hot, you put your hand inside. That's pain. Quadrant two pain is the pain that you put yourself under so that you can be disciplined. 
So rather than be like me and eat four square meals a day and one round one, you choose to eat, do intermittent fasting so that you'll be fit fam. That's quadrant two pain. And I need more of that in Jesus' name. Ah, you probably can say amen. <laughs> quadrant three pain is the pain that you endure from outside. When people come and they, they, they nag against you and they say things about you and they put you in jail and they sort of, they, they, they ridicule you and they criticize and blaspheme and do all these things against you. And then quadrant four pain is the one that the devil brings. So sickness, affliction, all these types of things. That's quadrant four. We're talking about quadrant three pain here. And you say to yourself, why, 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 I mean, why is all of this important? I mean, when I, was, when I gave my life to Christ, I, they told me, ah, you know, all, everything's going to be nice and rosy. God supplies all my needs according to his riches. And, you know, I'm, I'm an heir with Christ. I'm seated in heavenly places. All of this is not necessary now. Should be Jesus Christ died once for one man. No need again to suffer now. It's a lie. Let me tell you now, if you don't know, it's a lie. What Jesus is suffering, the Bible says, by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. It tells us how Christ's suffering was done to redeem us from death. So the Lord Jesus died and suffered to pay for you. You have to suffer for another reason. You have to suffer because you have... You, see, for those of us who understand a little bit of law, until an, until an arm robber comes into your... If an arm robber is standing in front of your house, it's not arm robbery. He has to come in. He has to steal something, has to make out as if he's running away, and has to get caught for, he, for it to be armed robbery. Now, Satan has to come against you. He has to make as if he's going to kill you. He has to actually be there and be in your face and get up in your grill before God can say, ah, stop, and put him in jail. So the Bible talks about how Satan, he says he's a devouring and he's seeking who he can go and who he can mess up. See, until Satan gets in your grill and starts to shake your face and starts to try to get in your face, he's not, God can't catch him and lock him up and put him in jail. The Bible tells us how Satan will be sent to the lake of fire. Because God is a just judge, he has to catch him in the act. And so what, what, I mean, what does God in his wisdom do? God allows Satan to come and try and hinder you. And that's the reason why from day one, when you are born again and you, are, you, you, know, you give your life to Christ, they start telling you from day one, you are a soldier in the... I remember I sang that song. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I am a soldier. It's not for bands, so you are a soldier. And because you are a soldier, it is expected that anyone who is a soldier is going to face opposition. So persecution, you signed up for it the day you said, I want to be like Christ. You put your name, they put your name, blessing, signature. Promotion, signature. Increase, signature. Persecution, signature. You signed up for it. And you have to endure it. The Bible says we endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. So I came here to tell you today that persecution is going to happen. And you have to be prepared for it. The Bible says in Acts chapter 14 verse 22, it says, Strengthening and establishing the hearts of the people. Many tribulations and hardships that we must enter into the kingdom of God. So 
the Bible, I mean, the legal people, they call it murderous intent. Until the enemy comes and tries to kill you, God has no legal basis to throw him away. And he won't come once. He won't come twice. He's an enemy who is constantly looking for... Let me tell you something one of my pastors said, and I love it so much. He says, look, if you're not under attack from the enemy, you're probably not doing something right. The Bible says that even the Lord Jesus, he says he was tempted in every way. He says he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And he says after he overcame that temptation, he says the devil departed for a season. But believe me, it will not have been maybe one, one day where the devil will have come back again to come and try and tempt him. Now, the, the presence of temptation is not the absence of grace. Because the Bible says, my grace is sufficient in the middle of that temptation. My grace is sufficient in the middle of that tribulation. And that's what Jesus came to tell the, 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 the people at Smyrna. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 9, it says, I know thy works, I know thy tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. It says, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, but are not, and are the synagogue of Satan. Those are their people who, they say they are Jews, but they are not. So their, 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 their name is Christian, but their character belies the truth of Christ. And you, if you are being honest with yourself, you will know many people like that. And the natural inclination is, ah, eh, you know, he's my brother. I'm running away from him. Let him not come and catch me. I'm running away. No. The Bible says your heart needs to be strengthened and encouraged. And you need to endure that hardness like a good soldier of Christ. So one of my pastors that I love so much, his name is Pastor Chris. And let me use this opportunity because we talked about this during Bible study on Sunday. Um, most regularly, Sunday after Sunday, we have this, something we call Bible study at, at the Life Point Church from 9 to 10. And I would like to encourage you to participate because it's like they got the pre-syllabus before everybody else. We talked about this. One of my favorite pastors, his name is Pastor Chris Valentin, he says, the armor of God that you've been given when you, when you signed up to be a child of Christ, every bit of that armor is forward-facing. So your helmet, it covers your head. Your breastplate, it covers your breast. Your shield covers you in front. Your feet are shod with the gospel. Everything in front. You know why there's no armor on your butt? So if you face opposition and you turn around and start running, you will get walloped. You know why? Because you are supposed to stand. The Bible says, haven't done all to stand. Stand. What is behind you? The Bible says, the glory of God is your rear guard. Now, every time you turn around, the glory of God <laughs> turns around too. So if you are facing the enemy and you don't have... Let me, let me give an example. Say I'm a six-year-old boy. I have a six-year-old son, for instance. And he's in school and one of his bullies, somebody's trying to bully him. And he's standing there and he's you know, facing the guy and everything. And then me, I now come and I stand behind him, all 250 pounds. And I stand. Do you think that his own bully will not run away? Now, the way that you get that bully to run away is by standing and letting God stand behind you. But if you don't stand, God can't stand behind you. And so that's what we're trying to say here. You need to find ways to stand. When you're being talked at, when you're being ridiculed and criticized for your faith, stand. Stand for holiness. Stand for righteousness. Someone what's that? You say, ah, no, I've been standing and I'm tired. Do you know why you're tired? Because you've been running. 
You are tired because you've been running up and down. You haven't focused on what you're supposed to do. Stand. And the Bible says that in, in um, Romans chapter 2, verse 9, it says, it says, um, Verse 10, rather, it says, Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. It says, The devil will come and cast him and be in prison for 10 days. That process of tribulation, that fight, that war is not a one off thing. It will take time. But you have to keep standing. It's a process. And until you get to a place where you keep standing in the place of opposition, God can't stand behind you. So, before, as we wrap up, I want to just give you a few tips that you can use. So that you stand firm in the face of opposition. This is our framework for overcoming persecution. The first thing is you fight persecution at the, at the mind level. So what you don't understand, you can't effectively fight against. Somebody who can swim, who understand how, understands how water works, will not be scared of drowning. It's the person who doesn't know how swimming works that will be scared of drowning. Your opposition can never overcome you. If you understand that, then you'll be able to stand effectively. So the first thing is your mind. Defeat it at the mind level. And then the second thing is mind what you say. So the Bible says with the heart, man believes. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. If you believe something in your mind, but everything that comes out of your mouth is against it, the enemy will eventually overcome you. So mind what you say. Pastor Bill, one of my favorite pastors, he says, if, if the Bible says, if God inhabits our praises, so if God inhabits our praises, who inhabits our complaining? It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. If we enter into God's gates with thanksgiving, whose gates do we enter with complaining? So what you believe in your heart, if your mouth doesn't correspond with it, ultimately, you give the devil place. And that's why we use this example all the time of Paul and Silas. It says, Paul and Silas, they prayed. There's a whole song. After praying, they sang. After singing, the Holy Ghost came down. Paul and Silas prayed, but they didn't just start off praying. They understood what they were doing. And that's why we often think that ah, the jail was, you know, it's like a place. But in the middle of that place, there was a light that they, they received that helped them understand that, look, the key to our salvation is not in complaining. And so they prayed with understanding. And then they sang with understanding. And as they did both of those things, heart and mouth in connection, the Bible says the prison doors swung open. Let me tell you something. When you are in a place of persecution, God is using you as a tool to open the door for many other people. It was not only Paul and Silas that got freed that day. It was all the prisoners. So you're not going through persecution for your own sake. The Lord Jesus died. One man died for all. Your one man's suffering can be the release for many people. So let that understand. The Bible says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 3 verse 14 says, if you suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And it says, do not be afraid. Again, see that thing there. Fear is at the mind. Once you overcome it at your mind level, everything else can fall in place. But you don't be afraid. It says, do not be afraid of their threats or be troubled. First Peter chapter 3, verse 14 to 18. Verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, with meekness and with fear. It says, having a good conscience, 
that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good and for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for your sins, the just and the unjust, that he might bring us, everyone, to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive by the Spirit. So I want us to rise up on our feet as we wrap this message up. And I want you to start to say, Lord, I understand that this is what I signed up for. Talk to God. Talk to God today. Say, Lord, I understand that when I chose to be a Christian, I signed up for this with my own hand. Because if Jesus went through it, I too will go through some of it. And so, Lord, I come to ask for an opening of my understanding. Help me, first of all, to understand that what I'm going through is not unto death but it is for my salvation and for the salvation of other people. Open your mouth and speak to God and talk to God yourself. And say, Lord, help me to win this battle first at the mind level. Help me to be like the people in Smyrna. Help me to understand that this tribulation and this trial is bought for a season. And that at the end of it, there is salvation for myself and there is salvation for others. And Lord, please give me strength so that sweet water will be all that comes out of my mouth. That there will be no complaining in my mouth. There will be no complaining in my mouth. This fountain of my mouth will not bring out sweet and bitter water. It will only bring forth the sweet things. That Lord, in everything, I will rejoice evermore. In everything, I will pray without ceasing. In everything, I will give thanks. And that, Lord, your will will become, will become open to me. That I will see what it is you are doing and then I can intelligently collaborate with you. Pray, 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 people of God. Pray, 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 pray. Lord, give me the strength to remain faithful. Give me strength to stand in the face of opposition. Help me not run, Lord. Help me to stand and trust in the armor that you have given me. So that when opposition and tribulation come, Lord, I will have you behind me, showing strength on my behalf. The Bible says God's eyes are looking to and fro the whole earth for those who he can be strong on their behalf. Lord, help me to stand in the knowledge that you are behind me, that no evil that comes against me will prosper. Lord, we thank you. Oh, Our Father, we thank you. We thank you because, Lord, the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. Lord, we ask that you help us to honor you as we go through trial and tribulation. We ask that you help us to honor you by trusting you in our day of trouble. Now, Lord, as we cry aloud unto you in our day of trouble, you will be there to rescue us. That, Lord, as we suffer for righteousness' sake, we will receive blessing on every side. Lord, we pray you will help us to sanctify you in our hearts. And that will help us to understand that our suffering is so that we can be heirs with Christ. 
we thank you, Lord. Lord, please give us the strength to stand firm in the day of adversity. Give us the strength to stand firm when the enemy comes. Lord, when the enemy comes against our souls and our bodies like a flood, let your spirit raise up a standard against it and put the enemy to flight. Lord, help us to grow from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from victory to victory. Help us to be true ambassadors of the kingdom. Soldiers prepared unto war. And we will do all of your will. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Holy Spirit. We give you praise and worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.